Ingram Smith, Buddy Elliott, back again with another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, two Nolcast in maybe two and a half days here, so fun to get back in rapid-fire mode. As always, we will uh, tip our hat to the good people, New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Uh, we will treat this more or less as an instant reaction podcast. It'll be bare bones, uh, minimal ad reads, minimal editing. Bud and I, Bud basically texted me, Pod, I said, yeah. And we met at the kind of pre-assigned time in the pre-assigned place on the interweb to record said podcast. And other than that, we really haven't had a whole lot of uh, discussion, but just going to give an honest instant impact or instant reaction as to the schedule that was released, a couple notes on recruiting, and uh, jump straight into this, bud. So let's do it. Of course, as always, brought to you by Louisiana Hot Sauce. Louisiana Hot Sauce, spice up your life, spice up your meal. That's actually not their tagline, but I feel like it's it's a decent one. So hopefully they, they, they like that ad read right there. Uh, and also Legendary Home Loans. Legendary Home Loans, 130 NOLCast listeners, man. I know you just sent out a couple more t-shirts. 844-FSU-LOAN. Find out why that many listeners have decided to get their mortgage or their refi by calling Shannon at 844-FSU-LOAN. Great rates, customer service, knowledge of the industry, and honestly, a, a Really good guy to chat about with with the Knowles as well, an eternal optimist, but 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 a realist and and, and a guy with a feel like a, a good feel for the program. So give him a shout, get yourself a home loan or a refi today. So uh, two topics as you mentioned, a commitment, which I think at the time we recorded last, we weren't really sure was going to happen, at least not then. Uh, and then the schedule dropped, which we thought would come either this week or maybe next. Both things happen on the same day, so this is podcast time. Florida State lands a commitment for the 2022 class from Aaron Hester, Neptune Beach, Fletcher High School. So that's Jacksonville. Uh, Ingram, what position? Yeah, uh, defensive end, ultimately. I mean, I I know there's some linebacker listing out there, but uh, I think both of us are of the same opinion that this guy projects as a defensive end and – I tell you what, if you put Hester on one side and Kelly on the other, you're uh, you're a long way down the road to having a hell of a defensive end class. And if a certain legacy joins you, then you've really done some things at that position. Speaking of legacy, is he a legacy? Yes, yes, he is. Uh, he is not of the most famous uh, Hester family, uh, Florida State tree, but he's he's actually a double legacy. It sounds like his dad played ball on what must have been one of the early Bowden teams of the 80s there and then it sounds like his mom was a a track athlete as well in Tallahassee so uh, a lot of a lot of garlic and gold running through the uh, kids proverbial brains and brains (laughs) veins and uh, made a made a smart decision if we are going to talk about brains uh, at least according to a lot of our audience so real big pickup nice kid Uh, I know these are one of the one of the few kids that you've actually seen in person so I'll, you know, hand the mic over to you to let you fill our audience in. But this is a, this is something that I'm uh, quite excited about, and as a another strong piece uh, to the class of 2022. I think Florida State fans should be excited about about better and Hester for a couple of reasons. Like you mentioned, his dad Ron Hester played from '78 to '81. Uh, man, that '81 season, I just pulled this up. Have you seen his stats in '81? We'll get back to Aaron in a second, but his I- dad. They played 11 games in I knew his dad played ball. Yeah, he had 132 tackles in 11 games. Mm. I mean, I was negative four years old at the time, but uh, dude, 132 tackles 
in 11 games, either I need to go find some some film on Dad because I do not really remember him being that great. And granted, he only had 60 tackles in the prior year and, and no tackles in his career prior to 80. Uh, so maybe this is just one of those all-time great single seasons. And maybe we had like a Luke Keekley style Boston College uh, Mark uh, – was it not Mark Hutzpiss? What was the dude from Boston College that year who had those? Like it was an assist every single time he touched the pile. Uh, you know, talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I but do. man, um, that is incredible. 132 tackles. He also had a nose for the end zone as a defensive player. Three career defensive touchdowns and three career blocked uh, kicks. So, really not really nice player there, and uh, and played for the Dolphins in 82 I, I wasn't able to figure out what uh, what happened to him uh there but uh his son is a little bit uh a little bit bigger six foot three 221 pounds at last check here that's what we have listed for him on 24 7 sports and you're right i have i have been able to see him right um i gotta tell you man i think he's He's pretty uh he's a pretty quality player here. Um sorry. Just had to uh had to answer something real fast. Okay. Look, I, I think Aaron Hester is, is is a really quality gift for Florida State for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he fills the need for them uh probably at that Fox role. Now I have seen him in person and my my really lasting memory of him in person I, I saw him at the uh the under armor orlando or jacksonville one of the two i forgot where, where i think it was jacksonville under armor jacksonville camp this was while covid was going on because i was wearing a mask but it was kind of one of those last camps that we were actually like allowed to go to go to before it like all the travel stuff got shut down and i have to say like the real lasting memory i have of him is that he is very wide like this guy has a wide frame he does not have the typical look of your uh, underclassman in high school defensive end where you're long and lean he's actually fairly built up he's he's pretty wide he's not super tall i, I think i think six if he's six three you know he's he's six three flat and, and i know these these measurements we get are, are you know from the camp so like I'm, I'm not questioning that i'm just saying to me, he doesn't look like one of these guys that's like closer to six four. I think he's legit, you know, six three, well built. Uh, and, he, and he plays like a guy who is well built. He's a powerful player. He plays with good pad level most of the time. He wins with intensity. He does have some explosion. I, I think the bend is is okay. Um, I think the balance is solid. He is a, a high school track guy as well. Believes shows or throws shot or discus I, I wrote down he's a thrower but I, I don't i don't i didn't write what he threw uh back in my notes i would say best case here best case is kind of a like a melvin ingram if, if you recall played for the uh south carolina gamecocks and, and then the san diego chargers renard wilson who i'm sure all florida state fans recall if you're one of our younger listeners and you do not recall him i would just recommend strongly that you uh to do some research on that one or you know maybe a demarcus walker uh, i think the floor for him is probably like a kier thomas type it, it's not it's not a real not a real length 
you know, that, that type of pass rusher role, that this is more of a dude who's going to win with you know, explosion power pad level. And uh, I also think he's going to be a very good player against the run. Um, currently rated in 88 by, by 24-7 sports. I think that most of the ratings right now across the board are fairly low because it's the right approach, in my opinion, to take things slow during a pandemic and, and not overrate kids and then have to have to backtrack on it. But I think he's a guy, if he continues to be productive, definitely will have a shot to end up at four-star status. And, and you guys know that I'm not somebody who blows smoke on that, right? I think almost all the transfers Florida State took should be rated three stars, personally. Probably all of them, except for maybe McKenzie. But I think four-star status is uh, is definitely in range. I, I know you, you've, you've been watching his huddle. What What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I think he ultimately is a top 250 kid in the nation. I mean, he's, he's a legitimate player who has a decent amount of upside and a pretty significant floor. Uh, I think it's a, a real good ad, somebody that can continue to uh, develop, but you're right. I mean, he has a he big frame, big frame on a kid that could continue to grow and continue to add quality rate. Uh, I think it's a, you know, uh, he's, he's not necessarily uh, a real long defensive end or somebody that's going to, you know, have a, a tackle concerned about how quick his, uh, you know, his jump back set is. Uh, but I, I think it's a great pickup and a real strong addition to a class. And I think uh, this is something that we talked about in between podcasts, but I think this is probably something that we need to ask ourselves um, after almost every commitment right now. And that is, does this kid stick with you if you go somewhere around 500 uh, and five, seven, six and six, seven and five, whatever? Um, I think yes. Uh, and again, maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, but I, I think this is the type of kid uh, that as long as you don't have a disaster on the field, signs with you in December. And uh, that's another real important quality that I think we need to uh, to use when evaluating a commitment. And for that one, in my opinion, at least for now, I think you can check the box uh, with a decent degree of confidence. I think the legacy status helps there, but also a player who, if he's jumping on board this early, you, you probably have to have been realistic with him and you, you show the need at the position and you also show kind of the, the trajectory of the program. A, a couple more things. I, I just rewatched his huddle while you were talking and, and you know just got through it. Man, I got to tell you, I there's a lot to like here. He, I know he's not the longest player, but he's got a frame. I think you can get him up to like 260. He he really hustles. I I'm impressed by how many offensive tackles end up on their ass when when when, when they're they're lined up against him. I mean, do you notice this? Like he's got a couple little like Reggie White hump moves in here where you know he's playing low. He's a violent player. He's delivering a blow. He, he he's. He's, he's actually, got heavy hands, and he yes, and he uses right. leverage well. I mean, there's there's a lot to like here. He jumps the snap too. Like this is a guy who he's he's got some plays in here that I would define as as high IQ plays, right? Like that, you know. There's a screen pass he almost bats down, then he chases it back, you know, down from behind. There's a couple times where where like he's sacking the same quarterback in some of these highlights, and the guy I I don't know the kid's name, but but he's clearly very mobile, and instead of just flying up the field, you know, Hester's playing the right shoulder and he's, he's taking the offensive tackle back and, and playing his technique. Well, 
And then when, then when the kid tries to break the compressed pocket, that then he runs him down. And there's other plays where he just screams into the backfield for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think you're going to see Aaron Hester in coverage a whole lot. I think they're going to continue to make this kid you know, bigger and stronger. And, and he's somebody who can be an effective player for you off the edge. And uh, gosh, this, this defensive line class, you, you've got to be very excited about this. This is, this is pretty solid. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to imply like, like granted, I don't, you don't think we were implying that like he's not athletic, right? I mean, I think when you say Melvin Ingram, Bernard Wilson, Demarcus Walker, that's that's pretty high praise. That's pretty, pretty decent company. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if you and I, but I don't want him to agree that he's one of the. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, well, I think a this decent amount of the fan base would aggressive, powerful player, not not somebody I want in coverage. Yeah, yeah. There's a decent amount of the fan base that wouldn't break their hearts to see us drop uh, a defensive end in coverage for quite a while. So uh, that is a maybe a good thing in some people's opinion. But no, really quality pickup. I think we're both in agreement that he's a top 250 kid in the country, and that's uh, you know that that isn't necessarily the end of the rainbow for Florida State forever. But uh, where they are right now, that's a real quality pickup and uh, somebody that they can continue to build some momentum around and it appears right now they've got a, a a little bit of that on the recruiting trail so long may that continue did you get to the wildcat snaps at the very end of the highlights these are fun i i have not seen those no uh so basically they just they, they're looks like their offensive package for him is motion a guy and then just snap it to hester and and let him run people over uh, which is <laughs> largely effective i would say his moves at the second level if we're if we, like let's let's nitpick him a little bit just just for uh just for objectivity, Ingram, I'm really I'm not impressed with his moves. Once he breaks the line of scrimmage, he does not make a whole lot of safeties miss uh, in in space. So yeah. that that's going to be my um, it's going to be my my criticism there, I guess. If well, something he can you know get in the strength <laughs> and conditioning program and try to get a little more explosiveness to try to run away from those second level defenders. But uh, yeah, no, great pickup. Uh, somebody that we'll continue to talk about, but uh, really nice ad for Tribe 22 if you want to use uh, names such as that. And so, I believe that's John um, Peaches' area as well. So position coach and mm-hmm. area recruiter matching up well with a legacy, playing time to sell, and uh, just it just all comes together for the Knowles. I agree with you, by the way. I think that he is somebody who will uh, who will most likely stick. Do you see where their class is now? Uh, they are. Yeah, I did see. And I saw where if they continue to add some players to the class, they're flirting with, uh, numbers that make <laughs> single digit numbers and numbers that make fan bases really happy. They're going to have the space for it. You know, I mean, that, that that's, that's certainly possible. Yeah. They, they also have two of the best three stars in the country right now in, uh, in, in Kelly and, and Hester. So awesome, dude. Uh, what else we got tonight? For you, you the, have more uh, on the, the ultimate catalyst. Yeah. Uh, the ultimate catalyst for the podcast was to talk of the schedule. Uh, just to circle back real quickly to a kid that we talked on the previous podcast appears as though Florida state, uh, is in nothing but a good position for Nico Marchio is how you pronounce his name evidently. So, uh, tip of the hat to Nico there, and we will do our best to, uh, pronounce that correctly moving forward. Also, shame on me during the conversation that we had. I did not realize that Marco or uh, Nico rather was a three-time state champion wrestler. And that is, um, 
you know, if, if that doesn't necessarily mean a ton of things translating to uh, a football field, but it does let me know that that's a kid that's, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to have too many problems with work ethic. I'll put it that way. Wrestling is not a fun sport. Uh, I don't know that I, I might've wrestled a thousand matches and I think I enjoyed two of them uh, looking back on it. And it's uh, if you've got that kind of determination and motivation for a kid, then um, it doesn't necessarily alleviate all the culture concerns that I talked about, but that's a, you know, that's a kid with a, a work ethic and a level of uh, a focus that at least you can have some certain degree of confidence that that's what you're getting. So just one real quick, note on Nico there as we translate to the schedule talk. Yeah. So let's go ahead and make that transition to the schedule uh, schedule talk tonight brought to you by Madison social Madison social, just an awesome place to go. Not only for food, great selection of beer, full bar guys. It's, it's, it's a great spot. Weather in Tallahassee right now. Absolutely beautiful. Well, a little bit cold tonight, but ultimately absolutely beautiful sit on, on their great outdoor patio perfect to, to, to do so you know during the uh, the pandemic and of course by gift cards from that so if you guys want all kinds of awesome trivia events going on and you can get your nolcast gear just go to madisonsocial.com get you a nolcast hat or shirt uh who else is brought to you by yeah congruity our good friend uh, matt lewis there you can go to congruityhr.com and find out more about their services. Uh, Matt has been nothing but great for us and some of the people that we uh, value working with. Matt can be reached at 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. All right, so the schedule came out and we already knew who Florida State was playing because they, they tell you who you're playing. Just if you have not seen this yet, very possible, people are busy. September 5th, Opening up with Notre Dame on a Sunday, that is Labor Day. September 11th, Jacksonville State. September 18th, at Wake Forest. September 25th, Louisville. October 2nd, Syracuse. Uh, then back on the road, uh, October 9th, at North Carolina. October 23rd, UMass. October 30th, at Clemson. By the way, I forgot to throw this in there. You have a bye on October uh, 15th. So a bye before UMass. So October 30th, you are at Clemson. November 6th, NC State, November 13th, Miami, November 20th, Boston College, and November 27th at Florida. November or December 4th is, of course, the ACC Championship game. If you want to mark your calendar for that one. So, yeah. Um, I want to get your reaction to this. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just being sarcastic. Well, I'll meet you at Bank of America Stadium first week of December, definitely. Um, it has never right. been nice weather for that event, by the way. Like, every time we go, it's just always nasty weather, but it, you're, you're always happy to be there. Um, okay, so a couple things. Since we're, we're not going to, I don't know, like, do we need to rate the difficulty of the schedule? You guys know who the teams are. We just, re- we just read them off. We already knew who the teams were going to be. I'm going to ask you a different question. Knowing who the teams are already going to be, how would you rate this in terms of like the favorability of the order of the games, like the order in which they appear? You know, uh, 
but I'm, I'm really a fan of the of the schedule and i know people's opinion of the schedule always varies when it comes out but uh i think it's uh quite fortunate in the way that it is now you're probably going to open the season with a loss and florida state fans are uh rather preconditioned to that unfortunately at this point um but i you know i don't i think you've got a real legitimate chance to be five and two when you play clemson and i think um that you've got a you know real legitimate chance to not necessarily have a huge amount of momentum, but not necessarily have all the air taken out of you on the recruiting trail either. I mean, this season for me is about showing progress, showing competency on the field, uh, seeing how kids respond to a full year with uh, a full real year with Mike Norvell and responding to the strength and conditioning program. But uh, this year for me is about putting on a, uh, are saving face enough on the field to sign a recruiting class that allows you to make a, you know, great leap forward. And that hadn't historically, that term hasn't necessarily been associated with uh, successes, but, you know, given, give yourself a shot on the field to sign a top 10, top 12 recruiting class. And, and really, you know, there's some nice elements of this roster, but for the most part, if you want to be uh, a good football team, you gotta, you gotta improve uh, the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And I think this schedule sets up pretty nicely, uh, particularly the first half. If I am going to nitpick real quickly, bud, and I'll throw it back to you, you basically have two buys in the middle of the season, and one of them, and both of them happen to come before the Clemson game. I, that, I don't know if Florida State requested that. If they did, that's kind of more 2014-15 mentality than 2021. I wouldn't have wasted a buy um, or a, a buy before UMass, which is leads into Clemson, so that is me saying – that you have two buys there and the back half of the schedule is condensed and challenging, but I think the schedule gives you a chance to get out on the right foot, uh, have a little bit of momentum, maybe cement a recruiting class uh, and then try to do all you can to save, uh, you know, not, not post a, an over or a one for in the back half of the schedule there. So you, you mentioned the, the opportunity to, to be five and two entering the, the Clemson game. I, I agree with you. I, I I don't think that's the most likely record. I think four and three is probably more likely if you handicapped it. But I think it's very possible that you could be five and two. And if you're five and two, going into Clemson, I mean, you only have one month left, right? November 30th is, is Clemson. So you're five and two on Halloween. I think you've shown something. I don't think if you collapse down the stretch, that's going to kill you for recruiting. You know, no, it won't help. If you, you know, if you'd lose the games, you're an underdog and like, you'll be a dog to Miami, probably a pretty big one. You'll be a dog at Florida. You know, you're, you'll get waxed by Clemson, but going five and two to start the year is if you can do that, that's a real big deal. Um, when is the last time that Florida state was two games over 500 against FBS teams? Because I, cause that would be that, right? You, you would be five and two and then four mm-hmm. and two against FBS teams. I looked and it, it, it didn't happen in 2019. I don't think it happened in, in 2018, right? There's no way. Mm-mm. No. Um, I'm looking here to 2017. I don't, again, I, I don't think there's any you know, one, two. No, I mean, you had one, to three. save, you had to pull out things at the end of the season just to get bowl eligible. So right. no, I don't think it happened there either. Five, three, and six. Yeah. I, I mean, like 
are we talking 2017 or 2016 was the last time that Florida State was two games over 500 against a uh, against FBS teams? Yeah, I think so. I believe so. Just had to have a, you know, <clears throat> that's a, a strong dose of reality there. A painful dose, perhaps, but yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy, right? And even then, like that was, yes, you beat Charleston Southern, one and one, two and one, two and two. Three and two, four and two. Yeah. I mean, dude, 2016, the last time that you were you were two games over 500 against FBS teams at any point in the year. I'm not even talking about end of the year, like at any point in the year. That's that's pretty favorable. I mean, you you have some teams here, like I think Wake Forest, and they return some, you know, some important guys. Syracuse by that point could be better, but they could also be an absolute disaster. Uh, Dino Babers, I think the performance of his team last year, you got to account for the pandemic stuff, and I, I think that's important to do. But we don't really know how how they're going to look. Um, they, they they could be quitting by by that time in the year. Kind of doubt you're going to catch North Carolina sleepwalking this year, given the fact that you, you jumped them in 2020. I think this is this is pretty solid. If I want to play Notre Dame, honestly, I want to play Notre Dame in week one. Now, the downside of that is if you get smacked, for instance, like if you just physically can't handle Notre Dame, because Notre Dame along the line of scrimmage is legit, right? And I, I, I don't think your offensive line can handle the Irish as you know, they don't have a transfer yet. And I mean, who know, it kind of makes me doubt they can protect McKenzie Milton in that game. And I don't know what FSU's defensive line can do. So yeah, like that could start the year with, with a with a sour taste in your mouth if, if you go out and you and you get blown out there. Uh, but you know, I I, I think as a, as a recruiting staff, you need to be able to package and market this and say, hey, like we're making real progress. Yeah, we, we've we've got some games, or we just don't have the players to hang yet, but we're we're showing real progress. Maybe you, you know, I can you can you hang within a touchdown? in a game like a North Carolina or a Miami, right? Or, or, or maybe somehow you, you, you hang closer to Florida. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly possible, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's go I mean, ahead. Can and, you, sorry, can ahead. you, can you get over whatever happens on October 30th and, and beat NC state? I mean, the NC state and the Boston college game are going to be, monumental and how we look at this season you got to uh, split those at least agree right? with you at least at least um and you know we can talk about the aesthetics of the games that you're probably going to lose but um you know if you can grab those two games in the back half of the season there then that would go a a long long way in putting together a you know potentially a seven from five season and i know that's not going to be uh initial response for a lot of this fan base to classify seven and five as a success but i think it would certainly um it would be in my eyes and it would you know you're not going to go in and start signing top 100 prospects if you go seven and five but it is going to give you a legitimacy on the trail to sell a message of improvement um and i you know i think the vast majority of this fan base would uh realize the strides that have been made and have a lot of optimism moving forward if you're able to post a record like that yeah uh, i i would agree with that i um so let me throw this out to you if I give you five and seven to seven and five over the field, what are you taking? 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take seven and five or, or uh, five and seven is more likely than other than the rest of the other uh, records combined. So if I gave you like three to one, would you take the other records? Yeah, maybe because I think six and six is a very legitimate option. Well, no, I'm, I'm including that in in, in the range. Like oh, somewhere okay, you're giving me that seven, whole seven, uh, the whole. Okay, yeah. all right, I misunderstood you. Yeah, you're giving me the whole three three game swing there. Yeah, I would still take it. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's kind of where you are, right? Um, I know we had uh, Twitter uh, Twitter user and, and big fan of the show. Corey Meyer, he said, hey, my, my way too early predictions, he's chiming in here. Notre Dame, 25%, uh, Jacksonville State, 90%, Wake, 65%, Louisville, 70 Syracuse, 85 North Carolina, 50 UMass, 90 Clemson, 20 NC State, 40 uh, Miami, 50 BC, 50 UF, 45 which he says would, would, uh, would, would give you a 6-6 a six and six season. Um, I, I'm kind of there, you know? And just just eyeballing this, my, my percentages are not the same, but I think we we I think we sum out something fairly similar. Uh, a lot of this is going to depend on on attrition. Um, you know, wh- where are you at injury wise in the second half of the season? You know, have have you managed to, to last the whole year? How is your pass protection? Are, are, are you going to be a team that actually throws the ball? Can you protect Mackenzie Milton? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I have some questions about that, obviously. I would just say personally, I, I would be about 99% on Jacksonville State and uh, and UMass as opposed <laughs> to just 90. And like we laugh, no, but all, like that's we're another... all scarred from we're all scarred from weak competition in game two, but uh, lives lives long in the fan base's memory. That that is that is true. Um, but I, I I do think Mike Norvell is, is a solid coach. So you know we'll see what he's able to do with this roster. Uh, man. The bye week and UMass before Clemson is just – I don't want to complain about the schedule. The schedule's <clears throat> pretty favorable to setting a recruiting narrative and, and to taking a step forward as a program. Um, I think that we are going to – if this goes the way I think it will go, I think you will have a lot of people saying, hey, did you actually improve if you didn't beat anybody good? And my answer to that would be, yes, you did, mm-hmm. because last year – you lost to a whole lot of teams that weren't any good. Bill Connolly has the famous anecdote, which I think we should share here. Bill Connolly, of course, says, first you lose big. This is if you actually are on a good path. First you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small, then you win big. That's that's kind of the hope of how a rebuild goes. I believe that's like the anatomy of the rebuild piece that he wrote back for Football Study Hall or SB Nation or whatever we were at back in the day. Um I think you're probably somewhere between the lose big and lose small stage right now, if you're Mike Norvell. And uh, you know, there's a couple games on here that I have a real hard time seeing you win. There's a couple other games that I feel like I wouldn't pick you to win, but I think you have a chance to win, right? That's that's kind of an improvement. Last year, I think there were, there were too many games where we just knew going in that Florida State did not have a shot to win athletically, physically preparation wise continuity wise um so i I think that this this schedule does offer a real chance for improvement um and yet something we said in 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 the last show is really sticks with me you need to recruit with the mindset of will this kid stick with us if we go six and six because that's where i'm drawing the line this year make a bowl game to me it's a success 
go five and seven, I can't call that a success. That's not enough improvement, although it's certainly within the realm of, of expectation, right? So is seven and five. Um, but you can't be recruiting a bunch of kids who are going to bail on you if you go six and six. I think you can aim too high with this recruiting class, have a reasonable and successful season, and then see your recruiting class crumble because you – you're, you're recruiting kids who are expecting you to go eight and four, nine and three, right? You need to message this right. appropriately as a football staff. And that's hard. I don't know that some of these coaches are expecting that, right? I think a lot of them think they can take a huge leap in year two. And I don't know. Um, I'm a little skeptical that, uh, about a huge leap. And what does a huge leap even look like? Could a huge leap be going seven and five? Is seven and five, like we said on the last show, with the, the Tuesday night show, is that even going to, is that going to impress anybody? It's going to impress some kids, some, but it's going to be better if you message it appropriately, right? Hey, this is not going to be a quick fix. We're trying to make a bowl this year. We're trying to show improvement this year. We're trying to get our systems installed because last year was basically a year zero for us. I think the schedule sets you up for success if you message it correctly and if you sell it correctly. Real quickly, uh, we're not going to go into, you know, percentages and details, but you want to end tonight's podcast with just kind of a off the cuff projection. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I will say I'll be a little optimistic. I'm going to, I'm going to pick up a shoe to make a bowl. I'll, I'll go six and six here at, as my, my initial, um, I have Florida State favored in one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I, I haven't favored actually in in five games, which maybe you wouldn't say projection to make a bowl, but I think they'll be a very like a very small underdog in another three, and I think they'll be a. a you know, a, a, a pretty big dog in four. Like, I think there's four games here that you, you don't have much of a shot to win. So, you know, can, can you go six and two in the other eight, or can you pull a miracle? That's going to be the challenge. Are you going five and seven? No, 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 no. I'm, uh, I mean, this is going to be boring. I'm going to go six and six with seven and five more likely than five and seven. I mean, I, I know we basically just, spit out the same thing there but uh yeah I, I think i think you're more than likely to have a 500 record i do think that you've got a real legitimate chance to go seven and five and um yeah it's just you know where can you be at that halfway point and then can you you know can you clobber together two wins there in the uh <clears throat> in the nc state game and then uh, on a november 20th trip to boston uh, that that will be a very large determiner or determinator of how successful you are um so uh, good to get a schedule. Good to be able to talk about it. Uh, kudos for the ACC for significantly moving their timeline up. I remember, I mean, haven't, hasn't it been until late March or April that we've done these shows in the past? So uh, glad to get something out in January. We can take a look at it, have conversations like these, and uh, start to kind of plot in our mind as to what uh, the ultimate season will look like. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to do two minutes on, uh, on some of the other marquee games in the league? Yeah, for sure. I got to tell you, man, I, I, uh, this is, I guess we can call this an opportunity for the league. 
to to start to to make a statement, but this is also I'm guessing a, you're going with a uh, a certain team from Tuscaloosa. Yeah, right. So I mean, you got you got Miami opening up with Alabama and Derek King coming off the ACL injury. So I, I think you assume he'll be back to start game one, but is he going to be back 100? You know, did he actually get to do all the summer work? He's a guy that heavily relies on his legs, so who knows? Uh, who knows how 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 they look there? Um, man, you got. Clemson opens up with Georgia and Georgia brings back a, a absolute ton of players. So, so does Clemson, by the way. I mean, they'll both be among the national title favorites to, to start the year. Um, you know, Duke has a losable game at Charlotte to o- open up the year. And then two weeks later, they, they, they play Northwestern. I mean, that, that could be kind of bad for the league. FSU against North Carolina, obviously, uh, or excuse me, against Notre Dame, obviously to open up the year. Um, probably a, a non-conference L for the league uh, in, in that one. Georgia Tech, I would say, um, kind of bravo for their non-conference scheduling, I mean, at least the ones they can control. They, they, they could actually get off to a, a decent start there in Atlanta. They, they go NIU, Kennesaw at Clemson, which we, we know Dabo will put 100 on them. Uh, North Carolina, Pitt, Duke, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami, Boston College. Then they do finish with at Notre Dame in Georgia. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe maybe some Tech fans will will not watch those last two. Uh, Louisville against a, a, an Ole Miss team that brings back almost everybody. Can't can't really like their chances there in that one. Then they also play UCF last year. Uh, UCF crushed Georgia Tech. So uh, Louisville actually now they do get an extra day of rest against Florida State because they play that on that Friday. Although I think FSU also. Uh, um, are they on a Friday here? They're not. Sorry. Uh, Louisville could be one and two going into that Florida State game. Uh, so we'll have to see, you know, what their mentality is like in that one. Miami, like I already said, Alabama, but they also have App State and Michigan State in back to back weeks after. They crushed App the last time they played them, but, you know, we'll see. Michigan State. Could be improved, could not be. They, they really can't score any points, so uh, possibly uh, difficult there. North Carolina. North Carolina has a, a non-conference schedule that is just Georgia State, Notre Dame, Wofford. And, uh, am I missing something? The Terriers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. I and and they, they still have a non-conference game to fill, I think. Um. North Carolina is going to win a lot of games this year. I mean, they they basically have 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 some guaranteed wins there in the non-con. NC State opens with USF, and then they go to Mississippi State. Uh, so that's that's an interesting one there. They also play Furman and Louisiana Tech and La Tech. Yeah, it's an interesting. NC State doesn't step out on that um, scheduling ledge a whole lot, man. They they uh, this is this is a little little brazen for them. Pitt goes to Tennessee uh, for week two. Yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting game. Um, Syracuse, does it really matter who they play in the non-conference? I would say probably not. UVA, no chance to embarrass the league there, uh, which is good. VTech get, gets uh, West uh, they Virginia. Got, they do have the BYU uh, out of conference. Oh, oh, Virginia, that's right. Yes, they do. Uh, and then Wake yep. Forest plays uh, Old Dominion and uh, Norfolk State before, before welcoming 
Florida State to town. So I'm already really excited to do that preview because we will have no idea what Wake Forest is because they're going to show nothing in those two uh, FCS games there. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, so quick rundown, last thing here. Let's run down who teams play before they play Florida State. So BC gets a home game, or excuse me, a road game at Georgia Tech before hosting the Seminoles. Clemson uh, gets a game at Pitt before hosting FSU. Uh, keep scrolling here. UC coming off the UCF game. Yeah, uh, eight day rest, but still not bad. Miami uh, has Georgia Tech at home before going to the Knolls. Uh, North Carolina gets Duke at home before FSU. So. Uh, probably a little FSU prep in, in that week just to make sure that they, uh, they, they exact their revenge if, if they're able to. Uh, NC State. Syracuse Louisville. coming off a, uh, a a Liberty game will be interesting. I mean, that could be a uh, that could be a deflator of sorts. And they, they, they lost to Liberty this year, right? Or did they, did they beat Liberty? Right. Uh, Liberty got them. No. No. NC, didn't NC State beat Liberty at yes, last minute? Correct. And they were the only ACC team to do so, which is – embarrassing but yeah yeah um uh, <laughs> that, that is embarrassing <laughs> and and then wake forest as we already mentioned so uh yeah man that is that's the schedule let us know what, what you guys think of it as always five stars on apple podcast if you can really really helps us out uh, you know to, to have have that many ratings as we do and uh you know have our, our longtime fans continue to support us and uh, continue to make the show what it is so um you got anything else for tonight I think that's it. Hopefully, uh, you know, like we said, this is going to be bare bones, quick, instant reaction style podcast. I uh, want to get it out to you guys. And uh, yeah, if you got a chance to leave us a review, that'd be great. But uh, from my end, that's that's all that I have for this version of the Nolcast. All right, buddy. I'll see you next time.